showed up to today. Yeah. <laughs> Connection exercises, what? Just guessing. Are there any couples or does everyone mostly come on their own? Raise your hand if you came on your own. Like without a spouse. Okay, so kind of a mix. Cool. Awesome. So I'm Jade Bryce. This is Mercedes Terrell. We have a podcast called The Magic Hour. And this is our guest, Peter Craig. We've had him on the show before. It was awesome. That yes. episode was more about intimacy when it came to um, relationships and to um, connecting in the bedroom, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. this one's more about connecting in your everyday life with yourself and those around you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll kick it off. to how many of you were at our last event, uh, Move yeah, anybody? Magic. Oh, yeah. Me! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Two hands. Cool. cool. One from out of town. Well, welcome to all the new ones. I like seeing new yeah. faces. Welcome to Create Deeper Connection. We are so stoked to have you here. And I want to thank you for joining us on the Magic Hour podcast today, a place where we navigate through life's peaks and valleys with all the vulnerability and shamelessness we can muster with the help of world-class guests from all walks (laughs) of life. We uncover new tools and new truths for manifesting our highest potential. I'm your host, Mercedes Terrell, along with my partner in Shine, Jade Bryce. Hi, you guys. So we really just wanted to put together an event that we ourselves would want to come to and something that would get us us out of our comfort zones a little, and what better way than to interview in front of a live audience and then (laughs) do some connection exercises together. Um, I'm really excited for that part. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's going to take a lot of vulnerability, and there's a reason why we didn't list what we'd be doing. But (laughs) um, I know at the end you're going to leave feeling so good. Because this is stuff that we have done, um, you know, in the past. And and so we know that it's very heart-opening, and it feels good. So we're so excited to be here in Austin at the O4 Center in South Lamar and to just have this day of connection with you guys. Yes. And you guys probably already know because you showed up here today, but we are putting all the money towards Together Rising. So thank you guys so much for not only being vulnerable enough to show up to an event like this, but also for giving to such an amazing cause. Yes. So let's get to our guest. All right, Peter. You know I always got a, got a uh, introduction, a big bio written out for you. So. Okay. Let me introduce a man that specializes in connection, authenticity, and relieving depression, anxiety, and stress. He is a group and couples counselor who is studying sex therapy as well as an eating psychology coach. He helps people explore, gain insight, and take action towards greater health by overcoming stuck behavior patterns and fostering greater self-compassion. He's the author of three books of poetry, Caravan of Lovers, Why We Keep Breathing, and Mirror of Fire, which aim to uplift and inspire from the heart. Stay tuned as well for his band, The Sweet Nothings debut coming in 2020. That's right. We're going to be watching out for that. Rock and roll music. allow me to introduce Peter Craig to the Magic Hour. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So Peter, this is our sequel with you. You're only the second person we've had on for the second time, and we're so excited. I'm honored. Um, And I'm so glad that we're um, able to do it in a way where we're facilitating connection because one thing that is really unique about you 
is every time I'm with you, I feel truly seen by you. You're really great at eye contact. Mm. I've never seen you once with a phone, which is really weird. I used it a lot, so I'm surprised, yeah. but thank you for that. I was worried it was going to ring when I said <laughs> yeah. that, but... <laughs> Hasn't rung yet. Yeah, I've never... Program that in. <laughs> I've never seen you pull your phone out, and um, you're, you're truly, like, aware of the person in front of you, so really, really happy to do this with you. Thank you yeah. for having me. It's great to be here with all of you. Thanks for coming. This is an amazing space. Wow. I know. Yeah. The energy's great here. Jade set this all up, so we can thank her for... Yes all that, that's mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. right? And Holly and Todd. <laughs> and thank you, Carla, for the amazing cacao ceremony. I hope you enjoyed yes. that. beautiful. All right, so today we're discussing awakening our deep need for connection. So how can we become more aware that we have this need in the first place, and how can we cultivate more of it in our lives? Yeah, that's a big question, I imagine. I think in society in general, we're hyper-individualistic, where we're all kind of competing against each other, and there's this myth of the celebration of being kind of alone at the top of the mountain. And obviously, achieving high levels of success in any area is, is worthwhile if you're passionate about it, but we need each other, and this togetherness and kind of cultural fabric is so essential. And in my understanding from counseling, people tend to feel pretty isolated and alone, but we have so much technology and we're so connected on some level. And so the beginning of this is just to realize that you have a longing for connection. I think everyone showed up here because you want to connect in a meaningful way with people. And there's the bar scene, there's different events, but how do we actually commit to living a life where we feel more connected or a part of a community? So I think the first part is really slowing down, which no one really wants to hear that because we're all so good at moving fast and we have to to keep up in a sense. But when we slow down on a very literal sense, relaxing our body, relaxing our breath, we kind of come up with the emotions that have been under the surface, which might be longing for a partner, for a friendship, might be wanting an intimate partner, might just wanting brotherhood or sisterhood and not knowing where to find it. So it takes really an internal look. So we're going to do a little bit of that today of just looking within and seeing what you notice about what emotions are coming up. Does it feel ecstatic to be here? Does it feel lonely coming into that and just noticing that? And so I think just taking a responsibility to seek out connection because society's not doing it for us. And so I challenge and invite you all to take responsibility. What's one thing you can do to spend more time with people you think you might resonate with? There's a lot of different, there's meetup.com, there's a lot of cool community organizations in Austin, there's charity organizations, there's spiritual organizations, and we just forget about it, and then we're all of a sudden, I'm really alone sitting in our apartment. So it just starts with slowing down, noticing what your authentic needs as a human are, which I think is more than just being a material being, we need to connect. So I can keep rambling, but I'll leave it there for the first question. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, I know I've found myself feeling like alone in the midst of something where if I really stopped and thought about it, there's so much access to somewhere I can find a tribe. You know? mm -hmm. uh, we're lucky enough to be building a tribe, like mm -hmm. with the people that are here today um, and on our podcast. Uh, but to anyone out there who's listening to this podcast, not only in this room, which you guys are obviously, you know, you showed up today to kind of, you, you were seeking out 
I hope, connection, and that's why you're here. <laughs> um, but anyone listening as well, like when you feel that aloneness, it's important to remember that it's not about the one person that broke your heart or you were you know, sought after and it didn't work out or whatever it is, but it's about finding the, I call it um, infinite soulmates. Like I think that <laughs> we are all soulmates in waiting and we just have to align the right way in order to make that connection. So there's always a way to um, solve your loneliness, I guess. Mm. <laughs> or to even just dive deeper into what it is about um, yourself that you need to maybe detach, you know, take some of the attachments away that are causing the loneliness because being alone sometimes can be my favorite part of life. So. <laughs> yes. yes, some aloneness is great. I know what I'm feeling loneliest, um, or I don't know if lonely is the same as alone, but whenever I'm feeling really alone and um, lack of connection, I also try to tell myself, like, we're, we're all the same. If you're in a coffee shop and you're looking around, everyone in there has cried themselves to sleep. Everyone in there has had their heart broken. And that's connection. With, without even me knowing that person's name, I'm connected to that person because we're both human and we both hurt. And we all just want to be happy. So also I think walking around with that mindset and that daily mantra um, opens, opens you up to connection without you even having to walk up to someone. But um, why, Peter, do we struggle with loneliness or feel lonely when we are almost always surrounded with people and in this day and age, the way technology is, mm -hmm. you know, um, Facebook and Instagram, there's this sense of community but still, it's almost like, I feel like this is when people are their lon loneliest. Mm. Uh, depression rates are at a record high, so, yeah. especially among young people. So why? 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 <laughs> the answer is, the answer is um, that's an important question. To me, studying history, which I've done a little bit of the psychological, social development of society over the past 10,000 plus years, um, we're animals. You know, we're, as mammals, we need, we're, in, we're dependent on our primary caregivers for a long time, more than any other mammals. And so we need each other, we need connection. And so just being frank with yourself, instead of minimizing your need for connection, that dismissing it as unnecessary, or you have enough Facebook friends, so why are you even feeling lonely? Um, so technology obviously has helped us connect in many ways. But we're animals, so we need physical contact. The brain develops through touch. So infants that are under-touched don't develop the brain in the same way. And so we have this kind of neurotic culture where we're all kind of bumping into each other but not actually enjoying physical contact. And, you know, for like a guys to hold hands or something, that's, whoa, that's weird. Or, you know, so there's, there's not a lot of celebration of contact because then there's you know, people take advantage of each other. So there's a, you know, tenderness around trying to create safe spaces. So I'm glad that we can create one here. Um, so with technology and all of a sudden, instead of 50 years ago, you had a town, a village of, you know, 50 possible mates and you just resonate with someone or find someone. Now we have so many choices for partners or friends that it's overwhelming and it's kind of horrible because you go on a Tinder date and then, and it goes well, and then you get back from the date before you even have time to think about how good it went. You have three new, new matches. matches. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, shit, okay, let's see the, you know, and so there's not space to 
feel the deeper emotions that arise to process that. And because there's so many people ghosting, anyone not been ghosted? I mean, it happens to everybody because there's more of an anonymity. I didn't say that. Um, and so we hide behind our screens and our uh, superficial intimacy, but there's no problem. It's great to connect with people on Facebook or Instagram. That's lovely, but we lost rituals. That's kind of the end of this point is that most societies and tribes and cultures have had a lot of rituals coming into adulthood, into manhood, into womanhood, and celebrating marriage. We have a great marriage ritual still that's uh, very beautiful, but we need rituals of brotherhood and sisterhood and connection, and I think we have to take responsibility to create those, and we're doing it right now, which is really cool. I'm proud of you, Jade and Mercedes, for putting this together. Everyone's showing up. Um, so I guess, again, challenging everyone to take responsibility to create rituals with your friends and put things out there that you are inspired by, because if we don't do that, we're kind of missing that ancient human need for coming together and celebrating something bigger than ourselves. I didn't really touch on that, but that's kind of the idea is that we're not just individual material beings that die into nothingness, or maybe we are, but we're all connected in that. And so when we deny or diminish or don't really bring that to the forefront of our mind, it's easy to be lonely. But if we realize that everyone's suffering as well as us, there is a little bit more tenderness in being able to connect with someone at the counter or to say someone you're attracted to to really tell them how you feel. And it takes courage. So really hatching the courage to create ritual, seek ritual, and spend time contemplating what is our relationship with the universe. There's 200 billion galaxies, and there's 200 billion planets in this galaxy. What the, you know, that's insane. <laughs> how, what is that, how does that even compute? So having a sense of awe, but we have to slow down to feel that awe. And there's a tenderness of longing and sadness and separation, but the other side of that is connection and ecstasy and unity that is always waiting in some ways to be accessed. I feel like for me, um, I think for most people, I mean, they say the eyes are the window of the soul, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I feel a lot of connection when I'm making eye contact with someone, but it's awkward <laughs> for me. Um, it's, I think, as a growing up um, in a chaotic household um, and having a low self-esteem, it was really hard for me to make eye contact with people because I had a low self-worth, mm. and um, it was a trust issue, too. Mm. But now, um, I notice most people around me, they're avoiding eye contact with me as well. Mm. So do you think that that is partly because we don't know how to connect anymore? Do you think that's partly because we're busy staring down at our screens, or what does that come from? Do you know? <laughs> um, I'm curious about trends in sex and relationship as a couples counselor, and it seems like people are having less sex, like 10, 15, 20% less than a year or two ago, and so everyone has their different theories about that. And it seems like younger people are having less sex, surprisingly, and some people say that maybe it's because they're more comfortable with digital intimacy, you know, being able to talk to lots of girls or guys or whatever and flirt, but not actually body-to-body, face-to-face, because that's a lot more intense. <laughs> you have to manage them not having a good time or really cl being close. And so the intensity of intimacy from being next to someone is a lot higher, and so 
when we don't have rituals of practicing that and being together in that, we shy away from it because it's a lot easier to, oh, a bunch of dudes like me on this app, so that's cool, and I can talk with them at a distance, and there's some obviously fulfillment in that, but getting up close, it's a different story. And so I think it's because we don't practice being close and connecting as much as we used to. And I like, um, we say all the time, intimacy into me see. So it's like you're looking into an eyes, the window of the soul, into me see. That's mm. where I find intimacy, I feel like mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, and I wanted, I wanted to just say one of the reasons I love you, Peter, is because you'll go into this, this space that I think a lot of us um, close ourselves off to, which is what you were talking about earlier with um, the universe being infinite and like mm -hmm. trying to get our human minds to understand mm -hmm. what that means, or even you know the fact that time is an illusion and trying to understand <laughs> what that means, which we don't, right? We made these constructs so that we could perceive what's mm -hmm. going on around us. So when we talk about... Um, relationship and and why we're struggling to make these connections and why we're having you know intimacy problems at a young age now it it isn't surprising unfortunately in a lot of ways too where we have done so much to mask these existential questions that come mm -hmm. up and they're so big and so overwhelming right. you know what is my purpose mm -hmm. why am i here what is this all about they're so big and scary that we close the door a lot of times like i know i spent a lot of my young childhood closing that door mm -hmm. like, oh, that's too much yeah. to think about, you know, yeah. but with an atheist father, too, mm -hmm. by the way, who's like, I don't know, you want to figure that out? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that a lot of us, too, like you're saying, without the ritual that, um, I want to say, helps us tie things together, or the culture even, that helps us tie everything together, yeah. we don't have this construct that allows us safety mm -hmm. to think those those expanding thoughts that that I think we're actually here to ponder, right? Yeah. And it bleeds into the way that we connect with other people because that's part of the gray area, which is what this podcast is all about, is standing in the gray. Relationship is a big-ass gray area. <laughs> like, it is scary. We don't know how it's going to end up. Yeah. We're worried about you know, being triggered and our pains and all these things that are mm. going to come up. And it's beautiful that we have someone like you who can go, yes, I see all that stuff that's happening and let me give you some confines and some mm. you know structure to to try out you know mm -hmm. try it yeah so here we are yeah. i do take comfort too in knowing yeah. she she you mentioned safety mm. um i think a lot of us don't feel safe in the world anymore especially in the um state that our country is in yeah. right now um with the way that our president speaks and um it's mm. almost like encourage and then there's this me too movement that's making women and men angry with each other, but I do take comfort in the fact that um, shit is getting, getting shook up, yeah. and um, it's, it's causing this awakening where I think mm. we are coming into a safer mm. space as, as, a, as a world. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, kind of to your point, religion has been the foundation of meaning-making for humans for most of existence, even shamanistic tribes. Um, and so I think the dogma, people are less and less willing to go along with dogma that doesn't really fit with your inner experience. And so it's kind of a crisis in a sense of what is meaning. But I think, like you're pointing to, there is an awakening, even not to go too far on the psychedelic train, but, you know, we're going to legalize psychedelics. I'm on the train, ready. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're on the train, okay. Um, but like psilocybin for end-of-life anxiety, they're finding that people are finding meaning and connection beyond themselves. And so it's 
it seems very clear that there are going to be new avenues and we're developing them to have a spiritual or existential experience that's something greater than ourselves. I think a lot of depression is just feeling isolated and just alone, but when you feel like you're connected to something greater, it evaporates. But that's, again, it takes practice and ritual and really committing to making those things come to life. I think depression is also a lack of hope in the future. And when Mm -hmm. you have someone that you're connected with that makes you feel seen, that's exciting. So that gives you hope. That is exciting, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting we're talking about all this and we're sitting in a building that houses a church a lot of the time. So (laughs) must be bringing it This is where I go to church. It's amazing. (laughs) Cool. All right, can you talk to us about the elements of healthy relationship? Yeah, so for schools, they're developing social-emotional learning curriculum, and it's based on five ideas, safety, emotional support, mutuality, empathy, and asking for help. So that's what they're teaching middle schools, high schools, and everyone just to think, check in on your relationships. Do you feel safe? There's obviously physical safety if you feel like someone might actually attack you. That's hard to relax and have intimacy, but it's, I mean, it's true. Um, but then there's emotional safety. Do you feel like you can express vulnerable emotions and have people accept them, honor them, be curious about them? Because a lot of times we diminish or use vulnerable sharings against each other, especially when we're mad at our partner. But then that creates a culture where we're not able to express uh, deeper emotion. Mutuality um, is something I want to mention because I think it's hard. Mutuality is the idea that instead of just blowing someone out with all of your passion and just talking for 20 minutes, no one wants to hear that. Am I doing that? Okay. Uh, You know, it's kind of one nugget at a time. Can you just share one line or one thing about what you're interested in or what's up for you in the moment and then let the person digest it? And then can you be patient and let them respond? And, And then if you can do that and then one more nugget and they give you a nugget, you can go really, really deep. But I think we're used to just saying what we need to say and then not really listening, and then that's kind of the culture a lot of times. So it takes a lot of presence to slow down and to be able to share one thing at a time, but I think we can develop deeper relationships with that. So that's a lot in the couples therapy setting in my office. It's like, okay, we're slowing it down and going through conflict cycles and trying to repattern one thing, then the other thing. And it seems kind of simple, but it actually, if you can practice that and do it a little bit better, then you can do that when you leave the office, and then you can do that in all of your relationships. Yeah, and for some reason it brings up for me something we, we spoke about on another episode we were recording the other day. Because um, you talk about slowing, slowing things mm-hmm. down, which I don't know about the other women in the room that might be you know, in their childbearing years and don't have kids yet or whatever, but anytime you hear the word slow around relationships, it's like, I ain't got that. <laughs> like, you know, these eggs are going to expire. I've got like a certain amount yeah. left. I'm not having frozen them or anything. <laughs> so for women, especially, I think there's a, there's something that time, the, the lack of time mm-hmm. is triggered in relationships. And we want to know, you know, is this the right person now? We want to know, like, figure that out up front, even though at the same time we don't always come with our truth into a relationship and we don't always put it all on the table where that's where we could have cut out a lot Mm -hmm. of wasted time Mm -hmm. is by being super open and honest up front, right? Yeah. Because, but why do we do that is what I want to know. (laughs) It's, well, it's hard to be really honest on your first date or your second date and, like, here are things that are really painful about my life. Um, 
but I think that's something we can all aspire to, at least one notch of that, one level of yeah. more vulnerability or more open sharing. Because, yeah, people go on dates and don't actually get to who they really are, or you kind of are good enough in the idea of the person, and then you go along with it, and six months later, oops, and you just start the cycle again. But in couples therapy, Stan Tacken's work, which I talk about yeah. too much because I love his Stan work, too much. Um, <laughs> he talks about it takes about a year to be really clear-ish. Mm. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not if it's me. With the Tinder age, you know, it's like you match with someone or you talk for like five minutes and you're like, this might be the one. It's like, Clear you haven't calendars. even met them, <laughs> you know? But we want to have that fairy tale story. And so I'm not trying to crush a fairy tale story, but I think it's more of like, hey, the whole idea of finding a partner is to, is to pair bond and to make life a little bit better. And so if you can make life better as a team, then that's worth it. But if you think that you don't have to grow or they're just, you know, the image is all you need to run a relationship that blows up a lot. Yeah, it's important to figure out how to not fall in love with potential, someone's potential, and instead look for their actuality. Yeah. But that's not easy, man. No. I live in a fantasy world. Relationships are hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay, so there's five kinds of intimacy, which are yes. about four more than I thought there were. So. <laughs> Six. <laughs> Can you break down what those are for Yeah, when I learned this, I thought this was really cool, and I like sharing it with couples and clients. So recreational intimacy, so for, for guy time, bro time, that's, that's the most bonding. You know, let's just hang out, let's watch the game, whatever. That's how we connect. Um, conversational intimacy, you know, typical feminine or women kind of talking a lot about their feeling, and guys should do it more too, right? But um, really just bonding through talking. And then... Physical intimacy, so touching, being close to someone, not sexual. Then there's sexual intimacy, obviously that's clear. And then emotional intimacy, what's the depth of emotional sharing? And you, know, and you have to feel safe. So I like to ask couples, you know, which ones do you feel really strong at? Which ones did you like to work on? And that kind of makes the work clear of, oh, you're having a trouble having conversations together. Well, then that's something you can practice and really deepen your intimacy in a new way. So where are we at with all of those? How do we read where we're at with all of those? I think you can just ask yourself, you know, what, what do you want more in life? Do you want more meaningful conversations? Do you want to feel like you can express your emotions more? Do you want more hot sex? Um, do you want more just closeness? You know? said no to that last <laughs> yeah. um, Someone said no? <laughs> no I don't know. Yeah, physical touch and quality time are my love, top love languages, and so not being in a relationship you know, it's like, oh, I want touch. But, you know, you can have healthy touch that's not in an erotic way, but that's, there's, it's hard to have a good container for that. Yeah. Let's also discuss emotional learning from painful experiences because I feel like that's why we hold each other back from being fully seen mm -hmm. and also how, how can we change that? Because I know it's partly being, becoming aware of that, becoming aware of our triggers and our past pains and how we're projecting our mother and father on those around us, mm -hmm. why we're choosing the partners we choose. But I, something that, um, I was gonna say something that fantasizes me. What is it? Something that- uh, You fantasize about? What? No, something that- something intrigues some, Yeah, <laughs> something that intrigues me. That's a good me. word, intrigue. I mispronounce words all the time on the show. We don't have editing power today, but. Um, <laughs> is that your subconscious can't differentiate from yesterday and today. So if this waitress is just rubbing me the wrong way, 
she didn't do anything. She, maybe this babysitter was mean to me when I was five, and they tend to walk the same way. And mm -hmm. so my subconscious is making me feel triggered, and then I just don't like this waitress. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's really intriguing to me. And I, so I wanted to discuss emotional learning. Sure. Yeah, so counseling spiel right here. Um, trauma healing is one of the specialties I work with, and it's really about when we have really painful experiences, we tend to form belief systems about ourselves or the world, and they kind of stick. And because they're not integrated, they're kind of stuck in our nervous system and our implicit memory in our body and not made sense of in our language part of our brain. And so everyone has kind of a lighter version of that, but with trauma, it makes it easier to kind of explain the idea of it. And so the work is to be able to touch into difficult past experiences because we're all kind of surviving life, you know, surviving the fall of innocence from a child into an adult where now we have all these obligations and bills and online portals to deal with all the time. And so basically we have implicit kind of unconscious beliefs about ourselves that we're maybe not even fully aware of. And if you ask someone, they say, mm, maybe but then you actually ask, what are specific memories that are difficult or that represent what you're feeling right now coming into your office with anxiety or depression or stress? And there tends to be, as they talk about the experience, they kind of get the felt sense of the experience back online in their nervous system. And the goal of therapy, in a sense, is to collide that old, maybe childhood feeling of unresolved pain, of feeling alone in emotion. Typically, we all get shamed for being excited as a kid or being shamed or being sad, you know, stop crying. And so we learn to form defenses against some of our emotions. So the goal is to kind of undefend ourselves, but we have to be gentle about that because you can't just, the defenses exist for a reason. You know, our survival strategies have helped us get to here. So even if we want to let go of them, we have to honor them first to melt them in a sense. So it's about colliding the old memory, unresolved pain, physical felt experience with present moment awareness with the caring other. So the neuroscience is called memory reconsolidation if you want to Google that. But we're finding this is the most cutting edge research out there that you can actually undo emotional learning or negative beliefs you internalize from these experiences by getting the felt sense of them and then colliding that with the present moment awareness where you know you're like, I actually am okay and I am safe and I see you caring about me whether with a partner or in the therapy setting. And so it unlocks, it changes the way your brain reconsolidates those memories that hold negative beliefs about yourself. Does that make sense? What a powerful mantra too, just the words, I am safe. Yeah. Mm. But we recorded with someone yesterday that reminded me that one way we can heal each other of these painful learning experiences is to just accept each other's feelings. Because um, what it is, you know, you said that we don't let the children um, be too excited or, or cry too much, and then we, we grow up feeling like we're too much. And we interviewed someone yesterday that said um, when he would get frustrated, his mother would get upset with him, mm -hmm. and he got frustrated with his girlfriend, and he, his words were that she handled it like a G. She was just <laughs> like, okay, cool, you're frustrated. And he felt so accepted and safe to feel those feelings. Mm -hmm. So I think a way we can heal each other is to just, like a form of empathic listening, just mm -hmm. sit there and let our friends... Don't try to fix it. Don't right. try to um, tell them what they should. Don't should on them. Um, <laughs> just listen to them and, and mm -hmm. allow a safe space. Yeah. Even more than shoulding, I would just add, because uh, 
probably all three of us up here have the same tendency to be like, I know how you can fix that. <laughs> it's and called a magician. Yeah, it's called the magician archetype. <laughs> and it's super annoying if you're on the other end. Yeah. <laughs> Stop trying to fix me. Yeah, because sometimes you just want to get this information out of your body some way or another. Uh, a lot of times it's through our throat chakra, you know, we're talking to our loved one. And we just want to be seen and heard in that moment, not fixed, because someone telling you the answer how to fix this means they see a flaw that needs to be fixed, right? So, and, and not that you can't offer that in some loving way at maybe a little bit later time instead of right away, but hold that space. I think that what you're saying mm. there is so important that A good book space. for that is Codependency No More by Melody Beattie because that was something I would try to do is anytime someone had a problem, just throw all my, fi all my advice on them. But... Um, See how you just fixed that problem? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Got her. Got her. And you know, you guys know if you listen to the podcast. got a book recommendation. Book. Yeah, always a book recommendation. Uh, okay, so Peter, you, um, I don't know what this is. You're going to have to uh, tell me. We have time though. We do. Okay. Okay. So, and this is, you guys, we're getting close to wrapping this part up. So you guys, if, you're, if your body's hurting from sitting on the floor so long. Um, 15 minutes. Cool. So you have done the wheel of consent training. So explain what that is to us and what's come up from you in that training. Yeah, I will do my best. It's a lot of ideas packed into one. Mm -hmm. So this international body worker teacher who's taught people, massage therapists and others for 20, 30 years, Betty Martin, you can look her up and go to her website. It's to me, the most advanced model of how we can give and receive touch and pleasure with greater consent and joy. So I want everyone to know how to do that, and I want to do that myself. So the idea is, the distinction is, say a massage therapist is giving you a massage. They're obviously serving you, and you're accepting their, the gift is for you, you're paying for the massage. But in a relationship, the question is, who is it for? So if I want to give you a massage, well, is it for my pleasure or is it for your pleasure? And the reality is a lot of times the stereotypical pattern is maybe the guy's trying to please his partner and he's doing something that he thinks is really working, but it's maybe not. And she doesn't want to communicate that because she doesn't want to, you know, she wants him to have a good time. And, and so they're both kind of missing each other on deeper levels of attunement with pleasure and connection. And so when you distinguish who is it for, then you can focus on what are the boundaries of this gift and then how can you take even more pleasure. And so again, it's the wheel of consent is within the wheel, it's consensual giving and receiving. And outside of the wheels, we have the typical being uh, taken advantage of or taking advantage of. Um, but the amazing thing is what you realize and what I found, and I did a five-day training last weekend, and it was very vulnerable uh, to share that space with people, is I had a problem taking what I desired because I had shame around that from being a kid when my parents got divorced and my dad left and my mom was kind of needing more emotional support and we didn't talk about our negative emotions. And so I was like, I'm just gonna be good so she can be good. But then there's some kind of denial of what I actually needed, both like asking for help and, and needing to talk about I'm having a hard day instead of I'm happy and fine all the time, which I'm still working on overcoming. Um, and so, there's the three-minute game. So everyone who can practice this with an intimate partner or a really cool friend, maybe. Um, the questions are two questions. How would you like to touch me for three minutes? 
and then you switch, and then how would you like me to touch you for three minutes? And so in the training, we practice on the hand first. And what this does is it challenges you to ask for what you want and then to be able to communicate what your boundaries are. Is it a full-hearted yes? And if it's not, then don't do it. And this builds a sensual communication so that if you do get into more erotic sexual stuff, you know, you typically are not as communicative because we want to say some weird thing or why are you talking or whatever. Um, But then that makes it more comfortable and can deepen the intimacy and pleasure there. And one more thing is... Thomas, we're not doing that one today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not. (laughs) Um, So before you even do all that is awakening the hands. And the exercise is simple. You get an object, whatever kind, and touch it for three to five minutes and bring all of your awareness to your hands. And it's, it's not just to take as much pleasure as you can from the object, but it's to notice the sensations the tips of your fingers, your palms, between your fingers, the back of your hands. We have more neurons for pleasure in our hands than any other part of our body besides our genitals and lips. But we tend to forget that and we either have been shamed for doing something with our hands as children um, or we just forgot and we use our hands as tools. So we have a lot of tension. So I would just invite everyone to relax their hands and to practice the waking the hands that's on Betty Martin's website if you want. And what you find is it kind of forces you to slow down. And the, the problem with slowing down is the unresolved emotions that you don't want to deal with but that are alive in you are under the surface to be felt. But then there's the pleasure on the other side of that. And so it takes courage to slow down into feeling what's there because the unresolved hurt is there too. But there's a lot of pleasure. And it's amazing to be able to feel more pleasure in your body and then to be able to give and receive that with a caring partner. It's a great magic trick. So I appreciate you for that. So we'll move on to our stable questions so we can open up to Q&A just in case. Hopefully y'all think of some questions. And so you already know these questions because you answered them for us last time you were on. I bet they'll be different. Yeah, maybe you have some different answers. Maybe some will be the same. It'll be interesting to find out. So um, if you could hug your younger self right now, Peter... (laughs) What would you say? I would say, just in line with what I was sharing, to ask for help and share your emotions. It took me to about 26 when things were not going well for me to break down to realize I needed to be more vulnerable with my friends. And I was trying to like have a perfect image and people were not connecting with that. And I still am working on trying to just be vulnerable as much as possible. And I, uh, and I would tell that to my younger self. Yeah, how old were you? 12. 12. Oh, yeah. Tough age. Yeah, that was rough. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? I chose The Giving Tree, Shel Silverstein. Have you all read that? It's so simple, but it's so sweet. Last time you said um, Hafiz. Yeah, The Gift. Uh, The Gift. Yeah, that's a great book, too, of course. If you could whisper... Oh, sorry. (laughs) If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Everyone in this room as well. Uh, You are connected to something so much larger than you and so infinitely amazing and exploding in creative love. So don't forget that. Mm. Do you guys have any questions? Hello. Thank you. Great stuff, you guys. Been enjoying it in this lovely space. Thank you. Um, A statement and a question for all of y'all. Yeah, it made me think when you were talking about our screens and everybody having being digitally connected these days. It reminded me of that movie uh, Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey where 
that was back in 99 and he was already you know talking about us being disconnected and everybody being lonely and I totally agree with that. We got to come together in whatever aspects, safe, safe places, but human connection is very important, as you said. My question is, I've kind of gone into a, a new, a revisit, if you will, with uh, Eckhart Tolle's teachings. I, I you know, read his stuff back in 08 and got really like inspired and uh, the thought process that he teaches, well, the, the non-thought process, if you will, uh, I just want to know your, you guys' thoughts on Eckhart Tolle's teachings, and, and have, are you familiar with them? And Yeah, thank you. My name's Matt, by the way. Matt? Hey, Matt. New Earth is partly Cheers. why we started the show. I know Jade's, uh, one of her favorite books is A New Earth. Do you, you want to say a little something, Jade? Oh, you go, Peter. Um, I'm familiar with his work. I don't know if I can fully represent it. Different spiritual systems have different kind of layers of being. So I'll just say that in the tradition I follow, there's the self, then there's the heart, then there's the soul, then there's the secret. And so we kind of have all those layers, but really there's only, the secret is that everything is interconnected and that we are connected with God or higher intelligence. And so when you die, you're just a part of that. And so from that level, everything is just different shades of that. Um, but if you're in the non-dual, like I'm only connected to unity all the time, how do you actually live in the world and be in the earth and be with people and create connection? So I think there's a tension to bringing those together and that we get to do that. Yeah, yeah. we're trying to do that today. I think um, for me, <clears throat> Eckhart Tolle's work is probably the most important work I ever read because it was the, the Power of Now is the book that brought me to him and it was the book that started my I want to say like my um, awakening. <laughs> now I call it awakening, but I used to call it a breakdown. Um, <laughs> but the spiritual journey or spiritual path is what I wanted to say, I think, because I was definitely soul searching for probably since seventh grade or so, 12, 12 years old, I think is what that is. Um, and his, his book, The Power of Now, you know, if you if you read it and you, you really hear what it has to say, it's just about being present. It's really just about figuring out how to be in the in the now. Obviously, the power of now. You know, uh, that anything that's making you feel depressed is you living in the past. Anything that's making you feel anxious is you living in the future. And peace is being in the now. And so, knowing that no matter what, now is always happening, was. I mean, I know that doesn't, maybe to some listening, that doesn't sound like epiphanous, but for me, it was an epiphany. I was like, holy shit, you're telling me right now I can uh -huh. be okay in this body? So, and then of course it takes a lot of practice to continue to bring yourself back to that and to tie it into what Peter said is this ability to um, shatter the glass between fantasy and reality, you know, and, and remember that we have to practice being in what's real, we can't always be in this, the ether, you know, and exploring this, this other plane. We have to be on the physical plane too because that's our human journey, you know, we're here to kind of experience this. So in order to experience it, you have to practice... Um, Rigorous authenticity? That, but practice experiencing reality. Practice just seeing things as what's really happening right now, right now. 
You always say rigorous authenticity, so. Um, it was a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> what I really liked about um, A New Earth is that he talks so much about voicing that your, your pain body is being triggered. And I feel like before I read that book, I wasn't okay with being triggered. It, our culture teaches us to not feel pain. And so anytime I felt triggered, it was like mask it, numb it, whatever it took, don't voice it, because then something's wrong with me almost. And um, something that was really um, helpful in that book is that you use your triggers to heal. So anytime I am being triggered, then that reveals an unhealed version of myself or an unhealed part of myself. And that's been one of my greatest tools is paying attention to my triggers, voicing them and, and using them. So thanks for that, Matt. Yeah. Wandra. All right. Um, I had a question about two of the types of intimacies that you mentioned earlier. There was um, conversational and emotional. Um, I had a question about that because I feel like emotional intimacy is like my favorite, like right up there with sexual intimacy and like without emotional intimacy, like I don't feel connected in sex no matter how hot the guy is or whatever. Um, but like I usually explore most of my emotional intimacy, I think through conversations. So I was kind of curious what the difference between those two were. Sure. Conversational is whatever people talk about that aren't, that isn't emotionally deep. Um, so there's obviously a certain level where that can be kind of the same thing. Um, I think especially for men, we're not as comfortable talking about emotions together, unless they're outside of like angry, numb, or sexual. There's less permission in our society to be hurt, to be lonely, to be needing help. So I think men can have a lot of conversational intimacy with very little emotional intimacy. And I think the same for women. If we avoid talking about what we're actually really feeling, there's a tension between just... It's a superficial conversation um, and emotions. So I think really authentic conversation is, it kind of gets into emotional kind of overlaps. And then we have time for one more. Does anyone else? This is coming from Carla. Yes. Um, oh yeah, I go by what Carla and Wanjiro. So anybody listening who's confused why this person sounds like the last person, because <laughs> <laughs> same person talking. Um, I also noticed, since I'm here at the live recording, that you appear to be very physically in shape. Do you think that there's any sort of correlation or some um, sort of practice that people can use to like move their bodies more as it relates to being able to connect with other people? Hmm. Well, <laughs> in trauma healing work, it's really important to do grounding exercises. So I'd actually also say in terms of public speaking, that can also be helpful. So like feeling your feet on the ground and pressing your feet back and forth can be grounding. Feeling your body contact with the ground can be grounding and that can kind of calm your nervous system. So I think just having a calm nervous system makes you more available to slow down and open and connect from your heart. So I don't think it's, fitness, you know, not necessarily, but just relaxing your body, being aware of your breath, grounding your feet and your body. Relaxing your tongue, too, I feel like. Relax your tongue? Yeah, like yeah. Cool, yeah. everything. London Angel Winters gave us, gave us that magic trick. Was it you? Who had a question? Nice. Oh, you did have a question. Okay, we'll do both real quick. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, so something that's pretty cool and wild is on a different podcast I was listening to, they asked the question, um, what, and now I can't remember... Um, if you're the magician, basically, is yeah. what I'm trying to get back to. And this they're is like, Eric Godsey's. 
Oh, it nice. is. <laughs> and there was a special guest. Yep. And when you answered it, um, you had said two. And I was like, oh, I definitely connect with this, but I don't know what, the, uh, what they all mean. And so when you answered the magician, that was when I wasn't really sure what it meant. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally see that one. Yes. You can read um, The Hero Within is the four archetypes. It's magician, the king, the warrior, warrior magician, lover. 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 My magician's getting tired and my lover's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> But we also just, uh, what was your name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Um, we recorded a podcast with Eric Gotts yesterday, and it was specifically about those archetypes, so he goes oh, into cool. depth on all that. So, yeah, that'll That's be on awesome. there soon. Um, you mentioned talking about, like, your family and, like, healing trauma with that. Like, what's one way that you would go about, like, learning to trust your parents in, like, a deeper, and creating, like, a deeper connection with them? Trusting your parents when there's been trauma growing up. Yeah, that's really tender. Um, I think the first thing is learning to feel more trusting of your own internal experience. You know, part of the whole awakening the hands thing is that you actually notice viscerally what your yes and no is more strongly. So like, do I want to do this? Pause. What do you feel in your body? So no matter what happens in the outside, if you can come to a place of deeper resonance or trust of your internal sensations and what your gut might say or your heart might say, that's the most important thing because then you can know in a family interaction, like, this is not okay for me, I need to leave, or this is uncomfortable, but this is okay, or I need to say this, and really trusting that inner experience to guide that. Another thing I would say is really getting a lot of support from friends and community and being able to talk vulnerably about what you're going through and, and getting support so you feel really supported from them and kind of can bounce ideas or even get advice or just support around, you know, family's tough. You know, a lot of us, like some of my clients don't even talk to their family because it's too painful because they've been hurt or whatever, and that's totally fair. So we have to protect ourselves from being hurt over and over again, but we you know, with family, we want to, ha you want our family to work. So there's a tension there, of course. And so again, trusting yourself, having support from people that care about you around you, and um, being really aware to, to honor yourself that if you need to take time or not talk or disconnect for a while, to trust that and honor that. Boundaries, yeah. Laying, being confident enough to lay down boundaries knowing that they might not be respected, maybe by by the people that you're hoping will respect them, which usually is the case. That's who's yeah. been crossing that boundary. But once you've stated it, at least you've stood up for yourself and it's like, physiologically, you're gonna feel better about the fact that you did that. And then I'm sure there's technique, and Peter can maybe elaborate on this, for once you've laid those boundaries down, how to show up for that yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to, to draw boundaries, and it's hard to continue to follow them because we, we're used to enduring a lot of things growing up as children. We don't get, you know, we get passed around, and we don't have a sense of yes or no with what our, is okay, and so we have to relearn that, and it takes practice, and, you know, again, with having close friends or a loving partner to be able to really practice honoring each other's boundaries more and more and more can help that create an archetype for other relationships. Um, but there's no, there's no substitute of practicing it and practicing expressing your voice. This is not okay. This is what I want. You know, there's no way around that. And the more we can do that and get comfortable with it, hopefully the relationships will be more ideal. 
something I can also offer is um, meta meditation and hopo hobo bono. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? That's a um, because. Um, but break down what that is. <laughs> yeah, I know we're running out of time. We need to get into our um, practice. But if you write down meta, M E T T A, meditation, and then hopo hopo bono, it's a Hawaiian yeah. word. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw in a bunch of this. Letters. It's um, but basically, you're working, you're doing a meditation that's sending out love, light, and forgiveness to those people who have hurt you, and then also to yourself. And it's really, really powerful. Um, uh, I grew up in an abusive, alcoholic um, home, and that has been one of my strongest tools. Another um, thing that I would offer is the book Getting the Love That You Want, because you, in the back of the book you do some imago exercises i-m-a-g-o and you write down things that um are your strongest memories from your parents and then you write down the things you find in partners that you're drawn to and you realize that um you have the same triggers with your partners than you do with your parents and that you're drawn to the same things because it feels like home right so those are two of my strongest tools is the imago exercises and then forgiveness type exercises um just type in Hawaiian meditation for forgiveness. But um, okay, so Peter, we're so thankful for that interview. Um, yeah, so for now it's me. time to get into the really vulnerable, gooey parts. So um, <laughs> the first thing we're going to do um, is going to be with movement. So something that we preach all the time on the show is motion before emotion act how you want to feel. And I've struggled with depression my whole life. I know sometimes you just don't want to get up off the couch. But if you can, and one of my like most powerful tools in my life has been dance. So um, I don't know if you've ever tried ecstatic dance, but me and my kids dance every morning and it just sets the tone. So motion before emotion is something that we really, really believe in. So we wanted to start out with that. I know it's really vulnerable, um, but let's turn the lights down. <laughs> and turn on our song. And you guys, I will also want to say, this is a way to get you out of your head. It's also a way to get rid of your ego. So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Don't give it away yet. <laughs> it's also a way to get out of your head. But for me, dancing in front of people is one of the best ways to get rid of um, your ego. Because you're not thinking about what other people, or you're starting to think about what other people look like. Okay, just, just turn on the song and turn off the lights. <laughs> So just have fun. Yeah, just have and fun. And notice your inner experience. But yeah, if everyone can get in a circle, circle we'll start with some connection exercises that Peter's going to lead us through. Cool. Okay. How was that? Was that fun? Yeah, I'm All right, good. Okay, so part of connection is about just expressing yourself, expressing your own creative energy. Oh. Oh, well. No music. We don't need any music now. Yeah, you can maybe have it really, really low. Um, so it's vulnerable to express yourself. 
and, but we have to get outside of our comfort zone. So the idea is just to add your own creative expression. And so we're all going to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a dance move, and then everyone imitates it. And we're going to go around the whole circle. So you're going to have to show a dance move, and we're all going to do it. And no matter what you do, it doesn't matter if it's the smallest thing or the craziest Internal thing. Internal awareness, you guys. It's all good. So, OK. I can go. Yeah. Yeah, you can step it forward if you want. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So it's all imitated. Ready? So. Huh? Huh? <laughs> okay. Hell yeah. All right. Next. Yeah, just do a move and we're all going to imitate it. Nice. All right. Next. Uh-huh. Woo. Nice. Next. Okay. <laughs> I can't even do that. All right, I give up. Okay. Nice. That's pro level. Okay. Next. Oh. Woo. Uh-huh. All right. Next. Oh. Sweet. Next. Woo. Uh-huh. Next. All right, this is a kick. <laughs> Next. Woo. Huh? All right. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Next. Oh. Huh? Sweet. Next. Oh, ballet something. Sweet. <laughs> okay, next. Woo, spirit fingers. Okay, next, dance move. Yeah. Just do whatever. There we go. Perfect. All right, all right. Next. Oh. <laughs> that is fun. <laughs> Next. Oh. <laughs> and I lost my mic. <laughs> All right, sweet. Next. Great. Next. <laughs> Get it. Cool, next. <laughs> All right, next. Woo. Mm. <laughs> oh. Next. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Next. (laughs) What you got, Mercedes? (laughs) 
<laughs> Sweet. Next. Next. <laughs> we can do casual. Cool. All right, next. My son calls this one the sea monkey. I think he does like that. Sweet. Can we do Selena's washing machine? Yeah. Oh. I got to do it. <laughs> Feels good. Feels good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do a different version of that. We're going to go around the circle, except this time we're going to make a sound. So you can get creative singing or just weird noises, and we're all going to imitate it. So. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, Nice. <laughs> Next. Wow. 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 All right, next. Next. <laughs> All right, next. Next. Amarillo by morning. Amarillo by morning. Amarillo by morning. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can do hand moves too if you want. Um. <laughs> Next. Yeah, notice how interesting it is to speak our voice and everyone has a different sound. It's pretty cool. Uh, so next thing is to turn to someone next to you and make up a secret handshake. You can go, you can go over there. You can do it if there's no one else. 
All right, let's do one. Let's do one. Like a... <laughs> ah, that's cool. That's good. Cheers. Uh-huh. Yeah, so wait, from now we're going to do the sitting meditation then, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, you guys. Some pretty cool secret, secret handshakes I see. Uh, does anyone want to show their secret handshake to the rest of the group? Okay, go. <laughs> Boom. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? We'll see it. <laughs> nice. All right. Anybody else? No pressure. Okay. All right. Go for it. <laughs> nice. Okay. Maybe one more. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, cool. So next phase of the work, we're all just going to sit down comfortably and go inside for a few minutes and just notice what is going on inside of us. So get as comfortable as you can. Notice what you feel in your body. Notice what emotions, joy, weirdoness, laughter. See if you can notice what emotion is maybe at the top of the surface. See if you can notice where you feel that in your body. Is there a lightness in your heart or something in your gut, your throat, your fingertips? And just kind of relaxing into this for a couple minutes, just noticing your inner, inner experience. Neuroscience research shows the only way to change how we feel is to have more awareness of our inner experience and befriend it. So it's curiosity and kindness. So just see if you can greet what you're feeling and what's coming up for you with kindness and curiosity. And just take a moment to explore that. What does it feel like to be sitting in a circle with a bunch of cool people? Does it feel really vulnerable sharing or does it feel just really fun and natural? Is there a little shame or judgment of this is too weird or whatever? Or is there some sweetness and gratitude for the courage that it took for you to show up? And just scanning your body from head to toe, from the top of your head 
down your head, down your spine, down the front of your body, feeling your butt on the floor, feeling grounded, down through your legs, to your feet, to the tips of your toes. What are the sensations that you notice? And can you just accept them and be curious and not judge them? And maybe remembering the intention set with Carla at the cacao ceremony earlier and check in on how that feels right now. And so we'll bring that to a close so you can gently open your eyes and come back to the room. We're about to move into another exercise. Does anyone have any burning, um, share their experience coming up? I feel empowered by these exercises because it, I feel free. Hmm. Glad you're here. And we got some more of that coming, so here we go. Okay, so we're going to basically find a partner in a minute and ask each other questions and answer them. Maybe we can demo that once we find our partner. Let's try to, um, if you don't mind, try to find someone that you have not connected with yet. So I guess let's all stand up and find a partner for the next few questions. Yeah. I didn't make sure that we had an even number, so if anyone doesn't have a partner, raise your hand. And when you find your partner, sit down so we know who's sit down. Who's left. Sit down. Be humble. <laughs> cool. Raise your hand if you don't have a partner. So if you have a partner, sit down. You need a partner? Becca? Anyone else not have a partner? Holly, do you mind being Becca's partner? Holly's going to be your partner. She's right behind you. Oh, great. Cool. Okay, so we're going to ask one question to start. We're probably going to do three or four, maybe five of them if we have time. I think we have time. Okay. The first question is, how do you like to connect? Um, a couple's counseling version is, how do you like to love and be loved? So just see whatever comes out. So it's kind of rapid fire. So I'll ask you, how do you like to connect? And then you'll respond and, uh, and just keep going. So don't say one thing. Say, like, we're going to go for two minutes. So just keep. Two, well, two minutes total, right? Right. So okay. I guess I'll keep asking you, mm -hmm. how do you like to connect? And then I'll ask you. So I like to connect through eye contact. Um, how do you like to connect? I like to connect through intimate conversation. How do you like to connect? I like to connect through quality time. Cool. So that's the idea. So just to kind of go free flow and see if you can let yourself just be open to whatever comes up. Because you, maybe you have some good five answers, but then you might just keep going. So we're going to do it for two, two minutes. Right. One person at a time, and then we're going to switch. So two minutes. Ready, 
set, go. Okay, bring that to a close. Interesting, right? Okay, so we're going to do another question. And it's going to get a little bit more vulnerable the next few questions. So you don't have to say anything you don't want to say, right? Again, you're full-hearted yes. So you can be as vulnerable as you want and, you know, challenge yourself to be a little more vulnerable. But, you know, trust your own self. It feels too exposing. You don't have to share everything, all your secrets. You can always be playful if you need to be. Yeah, of course. So the next question is, or it's, um, on a bad day, I blank. And just keep going. You know, on a bad day, I'm angry. On a bad day, I do stupid things. On a bad day... I cry. On a bad day... <laughs> I try to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. So, ready, set, go. Okay, bring that to a close. So now it's time for our good day. So on a good day, I... <laughs> on a good day, I dance a lot. Okay, bring that to a close. Good day. All right, you guys, we're going to turn the heat up a little bit. Yeah, so this is a little bit more of a vulnerable question. So, again, you don't have to say anything you don't want to, but just challenge yourself to be as open and vulnerable as you feel comfortable. So the question is, I pretend blank, but in reality, I blank. I pretend that I'm listening when in reality, sometimes I'm lost in my thoughts. I'm pretend that I have it all. I pretend that my life works, but then it doesn't. <laughs> in reality, it doesn't. Okay, we're only going to do 30 seconds, so Heat up, ready, set, go. All right, last question. Going to keep the heat up. And the time down. So the question is, if you really knew me, you would know blank. So if you really knew me, you would know? That um, I try to be perfect all the time, and it's painful when I'm not, because I'm not most of the time. <laughs> if you really knew me, you would know that I lived on the streets as a teenager. All right, you guys. All right, so before we break into our next practice, we can have one to two shares if anyone wants, but if nobody wants to, that's okay too. Yeah? This girl's amazing! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Say what? Oh, yeah, we switched. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Oh. If you really knew me. So, that, so we're, we're opening if anyone wants to share what their experience was like. Uh, we have one or two, time for one or two shares. Be curious to what you notice with this exercise. One of my favorite questions to ask people is, how is your heart instead of how are you? So um, I'd also invite you, we, we gave you guys these questions, but I'd also invite you throughout the rest of today um, to just ask, ask someone, how is your heart? Because that's another great way to connect. Uh -huh. All right, so the next exercise... Okay, yeah, so let's all stand up. I think so. So, um, are we... Okay, so the next thing we're going to do is one of my favorite exercises, but it's um, one of the most vulnerable things that you can do. So it's eye gazing. Um, we didn't put this on the event. 
flyer for a reason. It's so, all right. It's going to be all right. <laughs> so what you're going to do is you're going to walk around, and when we say stop, you're going to look at the clo person closest to you, and then we'll do a, a minute of ID. One minute, thing. yeah. We're going to do this with four partners. So. Just taking Oh, you're saying it's too dark? It's too dark to see. Can we turn, Can we turn the light up just, just a, a little smidge? Bit? Just a tad. It's nice and cozy in the darkness with us here, right? Yeah, yeah that's oh, true. Good idea. That's important. Thank you so much, Denise. Perfect. All right, great. All right, so get moving. Just walk Move around. around. And... Stop. And stop. All right, so whoever's closest to you, Peter's going to time us. You can, oh, you got her? Do you have a partner? You want to go with him? Okay. Does everybody have a partner? You? Awesome. Okay, so the goal is just to let yourself be seen. Yeah. Okay. So we can settle into silence, and the invitation is just to relax into being seen and seeing the other person. This is not an eye-staring contest, but just to see what comes up in allowing yourself to be seen and to look in the other person's eyes. And we're already halfway there. All right, stop. All right, so settle into the silence. Everyone find a partner. Settle into the silence. Does anyone need a partner? Right over here, there's a guy in the back. Raise your hand. All right. Just relaxing into their eyes. It can be a little funny or whatever. All right, start moving. Two more times, almost over. Oh, sorry. All right, stop. Raise your hand if you need a partner. Raise your hand if you need a partner. Anybody need a partner? Right behind you. Still one? One someone went to the bathroom, so. Oh. If you wanna um if you wanna come up, I'll be your partner. So um all right, so just settle into the silence and really pay attention to what comes up for you guys. Um sometimes when I'm eye gazing I just start crying because I feel so open and I'm seeing their emotions. So just be really open to what you're feeling. Bow to your partner and you're done. Okay. One more round. Almost done. You're doing great. Looking good. Stop. Find a partner. Raise your hand if you don't have one. One minute. You can do it. Just paying attention to whatever internal sensations come up. Okay, we can come seated back to the circle. Eye gazing is over. Okay, so... So this next exercise is called empathic listening. Most of the time when we're sharing with someone, they have lots of opinions. They fire back right after we say something. 
And this, we're going to talk for just two minutes, and the other person is going to give you their undivided, fully present time, and they're not going to respond. They'll just acknowledge when you finish, and then you'll do the same for them. So find a partner. If you came here with someone, you could do this together, and find a partner. Does anyone need a partner? Boom. Okay. So feel free to introduce yourselves if you haven't already. Okay. So for two minutes, just choose who goes first and just talk about whatever you want. Go. All right, you guys, go ahead and close that thought. Thank your partner for their empathic listening. And now um, we're going to... You can, spread, you can stay in the area you're in, but kind of spread out from your partner. Um, we're going to do a little journaling exercise. Do you want to take the pins? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Peter, if you don't have a pen, Peter's going to pass these pens out, and I'm going to pass out some paper. All right, guys, so now we're going to invite y'all um, to journal. And John, if you can get the song ready but not hit play yet. Um, We'd like for you to write just what has come up for you in this event, maybe what you felt could have been like a trigger for you or what could have been a hindrance for you or something that made you feel vulnerable, something that made you feel softer, something that opened your heart more, whatever's come up for you. You don't even have to use any of that as your um, base. And then after you've journaled what's come up for you at the event, I would really encourage you to write five things that you appreciate about yourself. And then, John, if you can hit play, we're going to play a song. When the song's over, we'll finish up. It's going to be about four and a half minutes. I feel it moving, coming up from the depth of the ocean of my soul. It's shifting, changing form as I gaze into the windows of other souls. It's coming up and out through my deep center, up, up, up into the light, bittersweet pain as I walk away from my past and create the future of my dreams, born in the mud and dirt. And as the lotus flower forming into the most beautiful and becoming of flowers. That's all I've got. That's beautiful. Um, you can choose to share what you wrote down or you can choose to share anything from today, what you experienced during the eye gazing, um, anything. Anybody else? Yes. I found that it was easier not to judge myself by being present with someone else. Like I can't like mentally chatter if I'm really just giving someone else my attention and not being nervous and self-conscious. During the eye gazing experience, I felt the pain and the hurt of the person that I was staring into their eyes. I also saw shyness and I saw exhaust in that person's soul. And yeah, that was interesting. Anybody else? I just noticed how much fear I have around unknowns, like like when I don't know a person or their intentions or how they're going to react to whatever I say or do. 
came up a lot. Um, also wrote about what I guess, what is it that I'm proud about or I'm appreciating myself, um, that even when I'm scared to death to do something, I find, I call it 15 seconds of bravery and then I do it, or at least I start it and then I'm already too late, I gotta finish this thing, so, <laughs> bravery. There was someone over here. I uh, noticed how easy it was or natural it felt to like like let myself laugh to like cut the tension during the eye contact like for good or for bad it was just very natural to like and then I realized that like oh that's something that I do even when it's not eye contact like using humor to cut tension and it's not good and it's not bad it is natural, <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just a thing. Maybe one more. Yeah. Uh, so first, connection starts with you and that you are never alone, even when you feel alone. Stripping down the perceived ego can be done in many ways. I learned a few today that I did not personally identify with, but I can understand how it could reach and help others. Uh, criticizing, at least internally criticizing, you know, is as closed-minded as religious dogma when it comes to the intention. If the intention is good and the message reaches others, it doesn't matter how it comes out as long as the other person identifies with it. And then judging the perfection. Quick of the disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys, you know, you know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck-ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves. Oh yeah, belly to belly if you want. That's more vulnerable, no pressure, more neurons of connection. And relax your body as you're hugging. See if you can relax your shoulders, relax your head, and relax into it. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay.